friends, this is Nicole Desane. Welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have two special guests on the show. I'm joined by Ashley Eisenberg, Senior Director, Program Management, People Solutions at Change Healthcare, and Rachel Franco, Program Designer, Innovation Framework at Change Healthcare. Welcome, Ashley and Rachel. Thank you. And I'm so excited <laughs> because today is the first on the show. Um, because not only will we hear from the HR perspective, as we usually do, but also from the perspective of a partner of design thinking outside of HR. All right, so let's get started. Um, people always want to know, what's your story? And let's start with Ashley. Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, you know, pretty early in my career, I had a mentor share with me, just raise your hand get out there and solve the problems. Doesn't matter how big, how small, just raise your hand, you'll figure it out. So I'm a hand raiser, I'm a problem solver. And that's really what got me into HR. I have a consulting background, um, but have been been in the HR space for a few years now. Uh, and really just enjoy that there's always a challenge to tackle and there's always people to help. So that's a little bit about me. Love it. I'm a hand raiser too. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, what's your story? I just have to say quickly, Ashley, uh, it reminds me of something a life coach like Marie Forleo said, everything is figure outable. I love uh, love that. Isn't it great? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know, Nicole, I think you asked us to maybe think about an anecdote um, typified who who we are. That's kind of how the approach I was thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking about actually when I decided to make um, pick up and move to a new city without knowing, knowing anybody in my late 40s and get my second master's. Mm. to make a pretty significant career change. And I was thinking about that example because I thought it typified kind of how I operate in my personal and in my professional life and really was just reflective of my living my life, my work life, my personal life with the spirit of curiosity, Mm. um, the courage to to risk, a willingness to experiment, and along with that, a willingness to fail. Not that we want to fail, but there's great learnings that come from that um, and the ability to pivot and adapt course as necessary. And so I don't know, that anecdote came to mind as just reflecting of kind of who I am and how I approach um, work and especially what I, I think what I do now in terms of um, design thinking and using that a lot. To, yeah, life. I was going to say, those are great competencies to have if you work in innovation. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of sense you work in the role yeah. you do. Exactly. Um, all right. And now the first creative activity for mm-hmm. my panelists <laughs> is what's your superpower? And Ashley, do you want to start us off? Sure. And I'm before I show it my superpower on the post note, I'm going to explain it because it's you're gonna look at it and say that's not a superpower. That's okay. So um, back to being a hand raiser and a problem solver, uh, I'd say my ability to identify a problem and then go out and solve that. Um, and even the big complex ones and being able to make it simple and fix things one step at a time, I would say is my superpower. And in fact, I once had a career coach tell me she was watching me in meetings and could see the wheels turning. And she was like, it's as if you saw a big stop sign that no one else could see. And there was big red flashing lights and you were just going straight to a problem that none of us could see. So uh, that's what my, on my sticky note is a stop sign. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I love I'm not an artist, but that's why. So you might look at that and say, stop is your superpower, but that is why like, I tend to see the big red flashing lights um, before others do. Mm, that's that's such a great superpower right and it reminds me of sometimes in design thinking we do sort of a 
pre-mortem or we think yeah. towards the future and how what we're trying to design might fail in the, in the future to, you know, to identify risk early and name risk early. So that's a great superpower to have. Awesome. Rachel, what's I your I superpower? Say, I have to say, I don't want to say I cheated a little bit. I, Ashley, I love how you, you did draw yours. And I think that was the rule. Cheating spirit. is okay. <laughs> But I found this online because I was going to draw it, but I'm like, that's so oh, pretty. That's I don't think I can read it. Than that. Can you so read for those who are not watching, she, it looks like she printed out a creative image instead of drawing it. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, creativity, answering the brief well, so in a creative I, I kinda, way, you know. Yeah, it's, and I actually probably would have drawn it probably do it backwards I break in the rules like, yeah that's yeah, like strategic creativity right um so i think <laughs> i was just thinking my superpower um you know ability to i love it when people give me a mission right they give me a mission especially like an aggressive one and coming up with unusually creative um solutions grounded in strategy that will either get results get learnings or hopefully get both uh so that's how i would term my yeah Great. So strategic creativity that's awesome. <laughs> I love how you broke the rules and sort of <laughs> or reinvented the rules, right? That's what, what, what we like in design somebody. thinking. Or interpreted the role. The yeah, rules, exactly. right? You know. Um, so Ashley, let's let's start digging into design thinking. Tell us a little bit more about how you discovered design thinking and how you've applied it to the employee experience at Change Healthcare. Yeah, so discovering, um, it was about seven years ago, actually, in, in my first role at Change Healthcare, where I was uh, leading our accelerated development program, which is a rotational program for recent college graduates. Hmm. And part of their curriculum uh, for their leadership development, uh, we pulled in design thinking. So they got to work on a group project together, solving a business challenge, but they had to utilize design thinking to do it. So I remember sitting in the back of a conference room for their first design thinking workshop where we were really just introducing the concepts before they even dived into the work. And I couldn't just sit in the back. I couldn't just sit there and observe and multitask while the participants who were there for the workshop got to participate. I, I jumped right in and participated in the workshop all week and just fell in love with, um, with a totally different way of thinking. Uh, and, and I left that week um, and the facilitator laughed, but I said, you know, I'm exhausted and exhilarated at the same time. Uh -huh. Is that possible? Um, just because you really do start thinking very differently. And I wasn't just thinking of here's how we're going to tackle issues for this program or their business challenge, but I just started thinking of different ways to do work uh, and, and more meaningful ways to do work. So that was my first you know, introduction to design thinking, really just fell in love with it. And then um, applying it to employee experience um, was was very fun. Uh, but, uh, you know, I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the challenges when you bring something like employee experience to life. Um, but for me, it was really fun to um, really kind of live by a, a motto of a mentor of mine that is you don't have to be the smartest person in the room and mm -hmm. I think that is really if you could give a tagline to design thinking and employee experience in that partnership that that's what it is so um, I I knew from the beginning with employee experience that we we had some issues and things we wanted to resolve and just make it easier for our employees to connect and and work together uh, and to do that 
I wanted to bring in that voice of the employee from the very beginning. So big focus on on empathy interviews, focus groups. And then we even had um, a think tank, which they're now virtual. Um, We have about once a month. Uh, But back then they were in person. And I remember proposing this idea of a think tank where we were going to bring in the the leaders or the, the business owners of the different processes and systems that we knew were kind of clunky and we needed to fix. But we're also going to bring in the end users, um, our employees, and um, have them all in a room together and kind of share their experiences and come up with solutions. So um, we had a little bit of ideation, but just a lot of network and relationship building, too. Uh, But I remember there was a lot of concern with you can't do this. <laughs> they're just going to, they're just going to come in and it's going to turn into a grape session or mm. how are we going to get any solutions out of this? Or you're going to come up with crazy ideas we can't fund. Um, and that's, that's not at all what happened. We actually um, got some, some leaders to really empathize with, with the team members and what they were experiencing. And then it was just really cool to see the ideas come, start to come to life um, from maybe areas we would have never considered talking to, right? Or, or people we would have brought into the conversation. And so it was a success. And, and that's really how we started design thinking. I mean, employee experience with design thinking was was that in-person think tank. And then from there, we, we kind of took off, but uh, we've always connected and had our employees involved every step of the way, not just from a, hey, let's go talk to them and dive a little deeper into some of their pain points or key needs, but we, we have them in the rooms for ideation. We have them then on project teams to, to bring that work to life, to prototype, to test. Um, usability testing is huge for us. So um, we, we don't just engage once or twice. We really are, are talking and working with them every step of the way. So by the time we launch something new, um, it doesn't feel so new to parts of the organization because they've participated so much. And then they're going out and telling their teammates and leaders hey, you got to go check out this new site we just launched or um, this this new tracker, or this new software. It's going to make things really easy for you. So um, it's been really cool to, to see that evolution and, and to see our think tank grow. Um, we have over 300 think tankers now, and they're always asking, how can I help? How can I get more involved? And that's so incredible. So let me just summarize, because I think this is such a cool idea, the think tank idea. So people volunteer to join the think tank, and then you yeah. use the think tankers as the ones as you're redesigning programs, you know, to engage in empathy interviews, ideation and usability testing. Okay, very cool. So how how can somebody apply to get into the think tank? How does that process work? They just raise their hand. There's no application. They raise their hand. We throw them in a Teams channel with the think tank. They get the invite. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. as as we need, you know, new perspectives or, hey, help us fix this problem. We just throw out a call, um, if you will, to say, hey, we need help with X, Y, Z. If you're interested, let us know. And then that's kind of how these smaller teams are formed or or how they they help us participating in a usability testing or or interview. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's really open to to anyone, which is great. And we've Mm -hmm. also, of course, have made sure that that think tank is a great sample size, if you will, of our employee Mm -hmm. population. Mm -hmm. So we also spent time beginning of employee experience, really identifying who are our employees and their their different persona types. So being very aware that the needs of a senior executive traveling all the time is very different from that frontline employee that goes into um, a factory setting and is on the production floor and doesn't even look at their phone because they can't, right, or is in front of a computer. And so being able to identify those different types of employees and the different needs that they bring um, 
really has helped us make sure that then in our think tank, we have all those perspectives there as well. Awesome. So let's, let's talk a little bit with Rachel. Um, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about why and how you have started to partner with HR around design thinking. I'm so curious. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I would say on, on the why, um, uh, and some of the partnership, I should say, predates my um, being at the company, but uh, of course, my my boss, Marla, has played a huge role as well, and I see that Marla is here. Um, <laughs> but I would say why, you know, we're always looking for opportunities, or always interested in finding opportunities to um, share design thinking with others in, in the company, because, um it does uh, in our partnership with EX, our HR represents is a manifestation of this um, interest. Um, and I think it's funny, um, Ashley touched on this in terms of seeing employees as right users. And I think that's one of our goals in trying to share with other functions in the company is really helping people realize that design thinking is not just um, about design for one, right? And it's not just for external customers that it is something that is very much applicable to um, to internal customers. And for some of us who are in those internal functions, our customers are our employees. And so I think in terms of the partnership um, or collaboration with um, the EX team or HR team, whatever we wanna wanna call them, it was spending some time, um, and it sounds like Ashley has some awareness of this, but really spending some time with the broader team about um, maybe edu- helping them gain an appreciation of those two things, that design thinking is not just about, not just for product managers, right? Not just for external customers, but really applicable to everyone, regardless of their role and, and applicable to internal customers, just as much as it might be for external customers. Um, so I think it's so I know Marla uh, delivered uh, some presentations to Ashley's Ashley's group um, about about those things. And I think most recently where I've where I've played a role in collaborating with Ashley and I really enjoyed our collaboration was around um, and Nicole, of course, you were you were too, uh, was for a pretty significant event that we held, a company-wide event called DT Palooza, which was a design thinking festival. Um, focused around ideation. And of course we held that ideation session, which we partnered with the EX team uh, to ideate around the business challenge they were facing. Um, and it was just a really, I think, uh, a fruitful, uh, right, a fruitful collaboration. Um, I think it helped that the foundation had been there before. The relationship had already been somewhat established, of course. And I, I think one reason Marlon and I thought it would be neat um, to partner with EX um, in this for this ideation session was one to um, drive value for the EX team um, by way of you know, helping them solve a, a business challenge. And then just another way to solidify our relationship, solidify our collaboration together. Um, and I think it was a pretty seamless, maybe Ashley would feel differently, but I felt like it was a very, <laughs> a very seamless um, collaboration that everybody worked really well together by now. I can see that Ashley's very well versed <laughs> um, and is using design thinking really heavily. And, um, and Nicole, of course, she played a role too. I think it was a very seamless, seamless collaboration. Um, between the two, between the two teams, um, and of course, use, heavily using design thinking. Um, yeah, and I thought it was just such a creative um, exploration of this partnership. You know, you build through the week, you build up skills and knowledge, and the design thinking, specifically ideation method, and all, so many creative sort of learning bites and then it sort of culminated and and now let's apply what you learned to an actual challenge 
you know, we all face right now, right? Uh, any X related challenge. So I think that was super cool um, just to observe that from the outside, that partnership and how it sort of manifested in this specific um, project. Yeah. So just reminding everybody who was in the audience, please put any questions you might have for Ashley and Rachel in the chat and we'll get to them after I'm done with all my questions. Mm -hmm. I have a few more here. So let's get a little bit real, because that's what people want to know. Uh, what were the barriers that you encountered in bringing human-centered design approach into the organization overall or and or HR? And how did you overcome those barriers? Let's start with Rachel. If you want to just tackle it maybe from an organizational perspective, and then Ashley, if you can layer on uh, specifically to HR. Uh, um... Well, you know, I think, gosh, I almost want to call, I don't want to put Marla on the spot. <laughs> I know Marla's here. <laughs> she might be able to speak a little bit more to, to some of the broader barriers. You know, I think anytime you're trying to introduce a new, a new process, right, to, to a company, there's always, there can be a mindset shift, right? So shifting a mindset to, um, to really put the user in the center, right? We can really be used to thinking about a problem from our standpoint or how we think about it, Um and just wanting to jump right into the solution, but I think really shifting our mindsets to really put the user in the center, um, I think can be challenging for all, for all of us, right? So I think you know that's something that I think comes with the territory when you're even bringing something to a when you're bringing something to a broader organization is just you know encouraging that mindset shift, um, and then just also breaking out of traditional ways of, of doing things. I'll let Ashley speak specifically to the barriers within maybe her function, but just more broadly speaking, um, mm -hmm. you know just you know, you've got stand, you've got standard ways of doing something and just kind of shifting how we do it, how we do something as well. So it's kind of like a change management initiative, I think, in a lot of ways when you're introducing a new practice of any kind. Mm -hmm. um, I think just a mindset shift and just a new way of doing something. Um, but and once I, people have yeah. seen it, I think they've really seen the power, power of it. Yeah. Empathy. Yeah. And I was just, when you mentioned the mindset, because sometimes people think of design thinking just as a method or a framework. And I, yeah. I always say it's a method and mindset yeah. right and so you speak and we can't really advance the method too far if we're not also changing and advancing the underlying mindsets that are required to truly change to a human-centric culture right so um i'm glad you mentioned mindset ashley do you want to layer on to, the, to what rachel yeah, said Yeah, absolutely and I, I would say you know being in our organization for a little bit and seeing the evolution of design thinking and i, I think it's true for HR, but across the organization, I think some of the barriers that we had to first face were really just around this notion of getting the leadership team bought in. Um, Cause you know, for them, Hey, I'm, I'm a leader in my space. I'm a subject matter expert. Let me go talk to another leader and I'll solve this issue instead of mm -hmm. let me, you know, talk a few layers down. Um, and so being able to bring kind of the people um, into those rooms was, was you know, something we had to kind of tackle. Um, and, and not that they didn't want to, it just was also, you know, another kind of issue we had to overcome obstacle, if you will, was just this notion of design thinking takes too much time. I don't have time for you to go out and conduct empathy interviews. I don't have time for you to go do your research. Just tell me what needs to be done and let's, let's tackle it tomorrow. Um, and so for us, when we started employee experience, we, we said, 
just give us a month, give us a month and we'll be able to come back with a roadmap of what needs to be fixed and why. Um, and that's what we did. So we went out in, in one month's time and interviewed over hundred employees uh, using empathy interviewing and wow. then came back to our, our executive team, not just with here's our roadmap, but um, we, we got you know permission from a few folks that participated in those interviews and, and brought in, in a presentation, pictures of those individuals, shared their story, you know, brought in recordings of, of their interviews. So they weren't hearing from us um, how difficult something might be. They were hearing directly from an employee. And I mean, some of our leaders were getting upset because they just couldn't believe like, wow, these issues have really been going on for some time and it can really affect how how effective our people can be at their, at their work and they want to do well. And who are we to stand in that way? So um, getting them to see that it doesn't have to take a ton of time um, if you go about it the right way. Uh, and you can, you can take as long as you want or, or short, you know, short amount of a time as you want, but as long as you get through all those employee personas um, and really make sure you're bringing the, those voices front and center, um, really helped us kind of overcome some of that. It takes too long. I already know what the issues are. Um, they, they found out they didn't because we, we were able to bring some of those recordings to life. Wow, I love everything that you just said. I mean, so powerful. And and um, especially this notion of how we make decisions and solve problems, both in HR and at the leadership level. And business as usual, decision-making sometimes doesn't work for in a complex environments that, that we're in right now and that we can't know everything anymore, really. Uh, and then that, that, that notion around time. I also hear that a lot. But what I've also found then, and that's another way I've tackled that objection is, and I love how you you did that. That was beautiful to bring the actual stories and have them listen to the actual stories. So powerful through storytelling, right? Storytelling is a design thinking technique as well. But then also to prove on the back end how actually time is actually shortened in a lot of, in a lot of projects. Actually, yeah, we might put in more time up front but guess what we are not pushing things down people's throats at the back end they don't like it and we end up having to rework things over and over again right so in the end oftentimes time is actually shortened when we mm -hmm. do it this way and co-create throughout throughout so mm -hmm. I love this story so much um very cool so let's talk about impact so we talked about barriers so what's the impact you've noticed after having introduced human-centered design to your organization and or the work you do Ashley, you want to start? And then Rachel, if you want to layer on. Mm -hmm, perfect. Yeah, sure. And I mean, Nicole, you, you, you kind of uh, took my answer earlier, Oops. but for, for me, you know, it, it's all been about the mindset shift um, mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. being able to now sit in rooms and seeing that, you know, for a project to get funding or for an executive sponsor to buy in, you know, they, they ask for the voice of the employee. And uh, oh, it's, it's powerful to see that. And um, you know, was in a meeting not too long ago where our head of sales and operations said, have we talked to all employee personas? I mean, every single one. And I just, I was like, oh, I'm so like giddy because mm -hmm. this is amazing that we are at this place where um, our, our executive team knows what an employee persona is and they're pushing for it without us, you know, bringing that question to them. Um, so I think that the biggest impact we've seen is that mindset shift and, and mm. seeing it not just at the leadership level, but, you know, working with, with teams of software developers and was just on a call earlier this week where 
hey, the testing has really gone really well in this environment, but before we push it, Ashley, can you get us a few employees to test it and, and make sure that they, you know, are in different locations, on different teams, you know, doing different types of work. And um, that's just amazing to hear that and to get that request because before it'd be, oh, well, we passed our testing, let's go live, right? Um, so it's neat to see that the work has started to really kind of creep into many parts of the organization and they might not even realize that they're doing it, but it's still been really great to, to witness that um, across the organization. And that's huge because that starts a, a cultural shift, right? I mean, yes, we can measure through employee engagement surveys and things like that, right? So have quantitative measures, hopefully they go up. But to me, this is powerful because mindset shift, culture shift comes from leadership. And the more people have these conversations in the organization, that's impact, right? Uh, they're thinking of doing it. When they're, when they're thinking, we're not having to prompt them to do it, but they're right. naturally not thinking of it. Yeah. That's when you know, like, oh God, this is starting to take, this is starting to yeah. take. Yeah. Incredible. Rachel, do you want to layer yeah, on? Actually, I really enjoyed listening to you. It's awesome. Really awesome. <laughs> I, know, I got goosebumps. That, <laughs> that was really incredible. awesome. Yeah, I can't, yeah. You know, I think, um, I think if, I have to say, even with something Ashley was saying before, you know, there's really nothing like when you hear it straight from the user's mouth, right? Um, I mean, like we could sit here and all day long and say, this is what we think this, da, 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 but when you hear it straight from the user's mouth, that really, you know, you can't, can't get much better than that in a sense. Okay. I think it's just, even from my own observations, it's just observing people, either whether it's HR, EX, having conversations with um employees or for some of our other functions, having conversations with external customers or using design thinking. It is just observing one, the mindset shift, but two, having deeper conversations, um, really learning to look through um, the user's eyes, not our own eyes. And when mm -hmm. we're identifying and making sure we're identifying the right problem and solving the right problem, right? Um, and what else did I wanna say? Yeah, just, uh, you know, just really ultimately uh, developing user user driven solutions that resonate. Um, I don't want to say co-created by them in a sense, right? And Nicole, you had said something earlier in a sense, they're co-created by them. Uh, and I also liked what you said that, you know, we can think something's going to take a lot of time, but really it's like, what is it working fast to work? So there's some expression, but if you take some more time, you know, if you really take a little bit more time up front to get the users uh, uh, feedback, et cetera, et cetera. It can often make things go a lot quicker as you're going. Um, so I would just echo a lot of the impacts that uh, Ashley has said and just uh, just between the, the mindset shifts and just observing and seeing people have this really big aha moment um, when it catches on and be like, ah, you know, we're having deeper conversations with customers, we're having deeper conversations with employees and really learning so much more about their needs. And that drives my ability to be able to solve problems more meaningfully for them. Um, that don't just meet my needs, but meet theirs. So yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Incredible. Incredible. Um, so I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, what's your favorite design thinking resource or heck? Rachel, we'll start uh -huh. with you. Let's see. Well, you know, I was thinking, um, I, I grabbed this. I don't know if it's specifically, uh, specifically related to design. Well, it is related to design thinking. One of the areas that I'm passionate about is cognitive biases. And I think biases mm -hmm. can always kind of rear their little heads uh, when we're engaging in design thinking and perhaps other things. I really love any book by um, the Heath brothers. Um, yeah. I love all their books. They're awesome. Um, but I guess one I picked out was Decisive. Yeah. Um, and it really talks a lot about the different cognitive biases that can interfere with our um, 
decision making, um, but also, you know, as related to design thinking, just the biases that can come and get, you know, interfere with our, our optimal using that process. And it gives a lot of ways to overcome it. So highly recommend just decisive. Uh-huh. By the Heath Brothers. Yeah. Love that book. Love all the books. Also, by the I was Heath just Brothers say curiosity. Yes. Yeah. I was yes. say curiosity. I think if you approach yeah. anything with curiosity, mm-hmm. you can never really go go wrong. So that's yeah. my personal hack. Just be cool. Ashley, what's yours? <laughs> Well, I first have to say, I love that book. In fact, it's been several years since I've read that site. I want to flip back to it, but um, uh-huh. it's so great. Um, I'd say my hack, um, I, I just love ideation and I love kind of bringing it, it in to a conversation, whether it's with one person, a small group, hey, we're not even supposed to be doing this, but um, I just, I just love it to get the, the gear spinning and a totally different way. Uh, and I'll share an example. I, I once um, was in an ideation session and we went into breakout groups and I was tasked with a team um, that was really focused on our, our people leader experience. So how can we you know, provide better resources and tools to help our leaders really lead? Uh, and one of the questions that I asked the group was, hey, how would a child solve for this? Mm. And mm. <laughs> I actually, I'm like, this you got to ask the question, just go with it, just come on, we got this, and then it was so funny, they went, well, someone said, my, my daughter is really into tea parties lately, and so then it went, okay, well, say people leaders were in a tea party, what would that look like, well, they would be talking about how they don't have a chance to connect together, so what if we created a people leader peer group, and then bringing back in the tea party idea, what if we provided, you know, opportunities for roundtable discussions where you get to connect with, with other leaders in the organization, you normally wouldn't, and you get to tackle a problem, or you just get to share, hey, here's what issues you've been facing lately. Um, and it's amazing that we got to, let's have these people leader peer, this people leader peer group, providing them with roundtable discussions, um, and facilitating those. And that all came from the question of how does a child solve for this? And my daughter's really into tea parties lately. So um, I love just seeing that. And so so I I, I tend to ask these crazy questions or, you know, the the IT team loves when I go and say, how would your grandparents solve for this? How would Mm. this impact them? So Kid, right? Here but comes Ashley again with her questions. Somebody in the audience also says that's their favorite question. So yeah, yeah I love it. I love it. I, I ask it often. So um, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's really neat when you get to ask some really off the wall questions and people kind of mm. roll their eyes and then you go, look yeah. where we just landed. Um, I don't know if we would have gotten there without it. So that's that, so that's cool. Definitely. Whenever I come to a meeting with you, I'm gonna always come prepared with how much yeah. <laughs> what might she ask? All right. I always close with a, su- a surprise quote and let you react to it. Are you ready? Ready Yes, you are. Okay. A community is a group of people who agree to grow together. Unquote. Simon Sinek. Oh, I love Simon Sinek. And whoever wants to go first. <sighs> whoever feels moved to react. I can chime in. I mean, I, I, of course, love that quote. Love Simon Sinek. I, I love, for me, when I hear grow together, you're mm-hmm. kind of opening up the door to say, we're going to learn together. We're going to mm-hmm. fail together. Um, mm-hmm. But we're all going to do that together. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you can get everyone's buy-in with that statement, which... 
I'm going to have a team norms discussion and establish team norms with my new team right after this call. And so I'm going to bring my card in, but I, I love that. Oh, gosh, I would really just echo Ashley. I'm not sure I could say any better than what you just said. Ditto. I'll just say ditto. <laughs> ditto. <laughs> that growing together and that learning together, right? That is that inherently bonds the members of the community and perhaps right as obviously what differentiates a community from just a group, right? Just a group of people, but really having a unifying, a unifying, I don't want to say mission, but um mission, I guess, around growing together, learning together to use Ashley's words as well. Love that. What a great way to close um, our session. I want to thank you both so much uh, for joining me today. And thank you, everybody, for joining. And I hope I see you all at the next Town Tales. Bye. Bye.